0: This week, we talk about what happens when churn and word of mouth cancel each other out, what we're doing to focus on the right types of work, and more. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying
1: CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Tyler? I got... My first ever iPad. Why did you buy an iPad?
0: I don't know. I want to talk about it a bit, but
1: I don't have a good reason for it.
0: Do you. Do you have one, or have you ever?
1: The only reason you would buy an iPad that I could think of is to complain about an iPad.
0: Well, yeah, we got to create content for the people. The people <laughs> want to hear me complain, right? No, I mean I use an iPhone. I'm, I'm, I'm not like completely anti Apple, but I'm, I'm Windows on the the laptop front. So you, you are not an
1: iPad person. I had an iPad. And I once I got a big iPhone, I find myself never needing the iPad. So it sort of disappeared. I don't know where it is, actually. <laughs> OK,
0: yeah. The reason I got it is I spend a lot of time sitting on the couch with Shelly watching TV at night and like she's productive on a laptop on the couch. I just ergonomically, I don't like having a laptop there. And so I end up just scrolling Twitter on my phone or whatever. And so I thought if I got something in between the two, maybe I could like split the difference. And like if an email comes in, I'll reply. I would reply to it or maybe, you know, write something. It wouldn't be deep work, but I, maybe I could like knock out little tasks since I'm just sitting there mindlessly anyway. That was my hope.
1: Um, yeah, it's not, and I take it. It's not working out that way.
0: Well, I'm I'm undecided on if I want to keep the iPad, but the so it's harder to type on it than an iPhone unless you use the case with the the, the magic keyboard. Which is basically a laptop. It's just a laptop at that point yep. because this is the worst case in the world. I can't, I, I don't know how this ever got made. You can't use the product, the, the iPad in portrait mode if the case is on it. It weighs more than the iPad itself. So it's heavier than a laptop with the case on. I don't understand what the point is.
1: Have you played with an iPad mini?
0: No, I, I was thinking about that, but my impression is those are like, a dying product line. Like I think the only version they'll sell you is several years old at this point.
1: That's the iPad I have. So I can't, Okay. um, but yeah, you, the, the reach of thumbs is better with that. It's still, you find yourself going further than you want to. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I get the impression that like, if you want to be good at like, if you want to be efficient with an iPad, you have to adopt a new way of typing. And that's not probably something that you want to do. Well, I'm
0: open to that. I, I like to force myself to learn new technologies from time to time. Not that this is new, but it's new to me. Just so I don't like become a dinosaur. But I legit, other than using the the keyboard, like a keyboard attachment, I don't understand how you could type effectively on something that
1: big. I've seen some kids that <laughs> uh, that are using. They're not really holding the iPad, but the iPad sort of it's sort of one handed. Mm-hmm. That they're just like super fast, just ty- typing so faster than with a phone. I mean. I don't think faster than a phone, but yeah, I'm impressed with their productivity on an iPad. Fair. I don't have an iPad. I think <laughs> it's sort of in the but with the, with where phones have gone, it's sort of in this 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 unnecessary thing. I'm actually really surprised that you did an iPad though, because don't you program and work off a of Surface Pro, which is a touchscreen and can double as a tablet? Well, I now have a Surface Book, and my next computer will probably
0: be a Surface Laptop. I, basically, like I love, I actually like Windows as a real operating system, it is not a suitable tablet operating system, mostly just because like, they don't have the app store and like their touch usage is just not there. Um, so yeah, I have a touchscreen tablet-ish thing for my Surface Book, but it, it doesn't really get the job done.
1: So now you're back to figuring out how to use a laptop on the couch. Yeah, I think that's basically what I need to do. I think that's probably right. I, I mean, I... I I haven't talked to anyone who's super passionate about iPads. One, I mean, I I used to read on my iPad, but mm-hmm. because of the backlight stuff, I ended up replacing the primary function of an iPad, which is reading, with a with a, a traditional Kindle. Kindle. You know, so
0: yeah, it seems like passive content consumption is really the like if you're on an airplane and you want to watch a video, an iPad's great for that. If if you want to read an ebook, it's pretty good for that. But uh, is that does that justify it? I don't know.
1: But that's not what, what right. you're sitting on the couch for.
0: Right, I have a TV TV for the content consumption, yeah. Yeah. Um, What's going on with you?
1: Well, uh, I mentioned last week that I lost a client, and this week I added a new client. So it's just sort of working out that the word of mouth and flow, without really going out uh, much to get clients, it sort of churn happens, it gets replaced by a new client, and maybe there's slightly more new clients than there are churn, and it seems like it's just safe. So I felt good about that. That's awesome.
0: Can I like take this into a way bigger topic than what you probably intended? Because I saw this on your list and I've mentioned this before that there's this thing about Less Annoying CRM that kind of fits the dynamic you're talking about, I think. I have a hypothesis, but it just seems almost impossible to me that this is true. And that is, if you look at Less Annoying CRM's growth over the last four or five years, it's basically linear. Like, Every year or every month, whatever, we add roughly the same number of users. I mean, there's noise, there's ups and downs, but on average, if you smooth it out, we're not accelerating, we're not decelerating, we're just growing linearly. And like that kind of feels impossible. Like that's kind of what you're saying, right? Is you're, or I guess you're just staying at steady state is what's happening for you. But you would be growing linearly if you, let's say, had a paid Google AdWords campaign that got you five customers a month. You'd get those five, and then your churn and your word-of-mouth growth would cancel out, and so every month you'd add five, right? Exactly, yep. Okay, so this is the only hypothesis I have that explains less annoying CRM's growth, is our churn and our word-of-mouth cancel out, and then we have other stuff that's not dependent on the size of our customer base that's giving us our whatever our actual growth rate is. But it just seems like impossible to me over the course of five years that churn and word of mouth would actually just be dead even. We've added a bunch of features. The world has changed around us. It just seems impossible to believe.
1: I mean, it's a hypothesis. How can you prove it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. And I I also don't know if it's worth proving. Like, we used to have a data scientist who this is the type of thing we'd ask. And then he'd give us the answer. And I'd be like, well, okay, I can't really do anything with that. Like, (laughs) my actions are still go out and try to get customers.
1: What it means, though, is that you've got a pretty good business that is, you know, let's just say that all of your existing like non word of mouth channels went away. You'd be at a steady state and that's, that's pretty like, that's gotta make you feel good.
0: It does. The thing that's tantalizing about it. I don't know if you felt this for yourself is like, that means if I can slightly decrease churn or slightly increase word of mouth, is that exponential growth at that point? But it's just never happened. Like we keep making the product better. Churn actually is going down and it's just not changing the fact that we're growing linearly.
1: Yeah, I, I that is exactly what gets me excited. If mm-hmm. like if I could get if there is a lever to pull with word of mouth and I can figure out how to pull it um, and just get it to do slightly better than what it is right now. It means that I don't have to worry about marketing. Yeah, exactly. So that's my dream, too.
0: This is why I often talk about the appointment scheduling or just anything that might get our customers to share it with other customers. Do, do you have thoughts on that? Like, what do you do to juice word of mouth?
1: This is stuff that I can't wait. I'm like chomping at the bit to focus on. Um, I haven't really, I mean, the things that I would do um, that I'm thinking about and sort of anytime I have a thought, I put it in a place to, to worry about later. You know, I, I plan on asking all of my customers and users for a Google review so, mm-hmm. so starting to get reviews going um, to tell Google, and then people searching for Legop health were legit. Um, I definitely think that there is a retargeting opportunity. I haven't, I don't fully understand the retargeting, but it feels like if people are coming to the site, that maybe I can get more out of my word of mouth. I can improve the conversion of word of mouth traffic mm-hmm. by by going after people that are hearing about us. I'm really interested to try that one. Um, And retargeting is basically following them to other sites and hitting them with a a message to come back. Um, I also, uh, I I do feel that if I were to be more aggressive about asking for referrals and and more specific with who I'm looking for and more with introductions, I do think people would go out of their way to help me, especially in the season. of of the fourth quarter so those are the things that come to mind
0: so i i would break those into two categories and i think there's a third category you didn't mention okay one category is just make your basic marketing or like funnel optimized better so that every word of mouth referral you get is more likely to convert that's one way way number two is increase the top of the funnel the people getting referred by like asking for it basically i mean that's a little bit of a blunt way to put it, but like do marketing to get people to give more referrals. The third one you didn't mention is just like make the product better. Do you think you have a ton of opportunity for that? Or is it like, well, it's, it's m- more service than product and you're
1: already given really good service. So would you say? Make the product better. Do you mean make it better with the goal of getting people to talk about it more? Just, yeah. Like if people
0: love, so i'm I'm guessing people refer Netflix more than
1: they refer Hulu just because Netflix is better than Hulu mm-hmm. uh, and no other reason yeah so yeah, I think there are opportunities and it's not necessarily well, there's two things that are happening one health Sherpa, our tool our enrollment tool is getting better so mm. there were two complaints that people had from last uh, enrollment season that have already been addressed by health Health Sherpa that I can then take to customers and it's I had this enrollment in particular noticed the changes from when he first. Came. So this person started shopping in March. Uh, that's how long <laughs> it took because it was procrastination, procrastination, procrastination. Um, and uh, so when he came, came in this month compared to in March, he's like, holy cow, this is better. Um, hmm. And it was a noticeable difference for him. So our tool is getting the tool that we use and that we embed into our services getting better. So that's one way we don't have control over that, but I trust that they'll get better. Um, that's, so just continuing to use good tools. Um, also, I think that the onboarding experience, um, which is part of what I'm going to be working on uh, in the next month or month and month month and a half, I think getting better at that first impression of helping someone get to value quicker, um, and especially for people who already have health insurance and don't want to switch it, there's an opportunity there to to get to delight that um, doesn't involve quoting or third party tools. It's just leg up health secret sauce.
0: Yeah. I hadn't thought until you just said that first point. Like, this is such a cool benefit of the no code approach that your product gets better without you doing anything if you just pick the right vendors. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm, cool. All right, cool. Well, uh, so you added a client, and you feel like you're you can just coast
1: for as long as you need to. Basically, I feel like for another month and a half. I'm yeah. I, I'm ready to get like. There's definitely a lot of I'm leaving money on the table. I'm leaving growth on the table, and I need to I need to shift bef- with time to prepare for open enrollment and get the most out of that. Um, the other update I have is that last a couple months ago I had a dental blow up with a client. Um, they had a really bad surprise bill. Their, their dental insurance didn't cover pediatric uh, fillings. Random exclusion huh. totally surprised them. Um, got that you know, wrote a new dental guide and got that family on a new plan and they're happy. Um, so that was a kind of crisis averted, but also a um, major improvement to the service. Um, and uh, I've already sent that guide to a couple of people and they're just like, oh, I'm saying this to everyone because it's the most confusing. This is the most confusing, huh. uh, this is the most confusing uh, thing that I've that I've dealt with in the past.
0: That's awesome. Well, congrats on getting through that. I know that stressed you out when it happened and it's, it's great. I mean, you wish the crisis never happens in the first place, but I do think like a decent percentage of them end up not being the crisis that they seem initially. So that's great.
1: Totally, totally. I was very, pre- I'm very appreciative for that client helping me identify the hole and fix the hole. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a win. What what else is going on in your world?
0: So I put like on the list to talk about that. I'm I'm feeling like I'm spinning my wheels a little from like a productivity standpoint. Although I put that on last week, and I think maybe. I like, I got through it already, but I just was kind of feeling like I was doing work. Like I was showing up, putting work in, you know, put in a good day's work. But then at the end of it, I was like, what did I really get done? Um, and in particular, everything I was doing was like, none of it is something that matters on a one year time scale. It's like, it matters right now. It's not like I'm doing like stuff that doesn't matter, but it's all like, oh, there's this little tweak we need to do or this or that. And none of it was like, well, where's the product going to go in the future? Or, y- you know, anything like that. So I was just kind of feeling kind of in a rut uh, a week ago. I don't think I I haven't started working on the bigger stuff, but I just like got a whole lot done over the last two days. And like all these little things that were piling up, I knocked a lot out. So I don't know, maybe it'll fix itself.
1: <laughs> I feel like it's related to the interviewing process because mm-hmm. when you need. When you make that your number one priority, well, when you start interviewing, or I should say hiring, what we talked about last week was you—you you think you should make that your number one priority. When you make that your number one priority, all the big stuff that you might work on, you can't work on because it's too big to do at the same time as hiring. So I'm wondering if maybe your that productivity rate was just a result of you know of the hiring thing, and and maybe you need to just look at the interviewing as the, as the productive piece. And that does benefit you for the long term.
0: I think that's fair, but I, the, I posted like a screenshot of my calendar a week or two ago and I did have some interviews, but I also just had a lot of other random meetings. And I think all of it combined did exactly what you said. So yeah, like I found myself, you know, a meeting would end or an interview would end. I'd sit down at my computer and rather than thinking, what is the most important thing for me to do right now? I was thinking, what can I get done before my next meeting? And I think that was fundamentally the problem. And yeah, just having fewer things on your calendar is probably like the best thing you can do to address that.
1: Yeah, and I guess, is it a problem that maybe interviewing people doesn't feel productive? Does that mean it's less uh, engaging?
0: No, no, no. So uh, The interview is actually going fine, but like, it's just, uh, if, I don't know how to say this. Like when we hire the person, I'm going to feel great about that and it'll be worth it and all that. But I also need to, at some point, get back to do it. like i do uh, have real responsibilities i need to get to and doing all these little 30 minute things is not like i just feel like uh, it's it, it's not just this last week or two it's probably the last 2 months mm. i if i look back 2 months ago i'm like the company has made progress and that's actually that's like almost makes it worse like when you're the main person contributing your productivity correlates so strongly to the business results I'm looking at like the business is working, but have I done anything that matters in the last two months aside from this recruit? This recruiting thing did not take two months. That's not enough of an excuse.
1: So it's really a two month reflection that you're going through and going, "Ah, am I working on the right stuff? Where are you landing?
0: Um, I'm landing on no, I'm not like everything I've done. I don't exactly regret any individual thing, but in aggregate, I need to stop. And so what I've done is a I've delegated a couple things. I've just like sent something to someone like, hey, do you want to do this if you don't? It's not getting done, uh, or i just archived some stuff. There's some things that are like nice to haves, but they're not really strategic. Like, let me give you an example. We're expecting a lot of signups to come from this event that we're participating in in like July. So I had something on my list like make signups faster because I'm worried the site could come down like if like a hundred people sign up within the same minute. And I was just like, well, fuck it, then the site will go down, you know. <laughs> Not not literally, like if customers are listening to this, don't worry, like the app's not going to go down, but like if people have to click the submit button twice, which probably won't happen, it'll probably be fine, but was like, why am I spending my time on this like this this isn't strategically important to the long term future of the company. what is? oh man, you're bringing the hard questions uh okay, so I know that product strategy is especially right now, it's not because we have this one developer deficit. The developer left. We're not like all the work that's getting done on the dev team. We already have designed and figured out. But once we have this extra person figuring out what's the most important thing they can be doing. So I think I'll do a lot more design work and a lot more product planning. That will be important. And then I want to say probably second after that is, well, there's, okay, there's less annoying business. There's like the marketing stuff, which I'm doing, but I got to be honest, it's kind of on life support in the sense that like. I'm just like, I need to put out a blog post this week rather than like, this is going to be a phenomenal piece of content that might actually make waves. Uh, and then I'd say the third thing is like leveling up the rest of the team. I haven't been doing spending as much time on that as I probably should be. Interesting. So I, thanks for asking that. You'd think that's I would have naturally asked myself that. I was so focused on getting the other stuff off my plate. I wasn't exactly thinking what should be on my plate, but yeah, that's a
1: good point. Leveling up is... Uh your role is a new thing like that you can that actually potentially just like interviewing has an exponential effect um as you grow the organization what versus maybe what you might normally do as an individual contributor yeah that's interesting i haven't heard you say level up people before and i know you do it and i know it's important to you but we haven't talked a lot about that on the podcast we
0: haven't. And I, I actually think a lot of progress has been made there recently in the sense that like, Robert took over managing the dev team. Um, we have this new leadership team and our first like leadership team meeting is next week. So some of the stuff's actually happened here. Something I'm a little unsure about how to balance my time is... So now, okay, the vast majority of employees at the company are either CRM coaches, aka customer service, or d- developers of one type or another. There are leaders for both of those teams. Michael runs the CRM coaches, Robert runs the devs. Something I'm a little unsure of is how much is it now their job to level people up versus like, should I be kind of reaching over them and saying, okay, you just keep the day-to-day running and I'm going to like still be meeting with individual people. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I think ideally you'd you'd want them to assume some of the leveling up as a leader. Um, but yeah, like, and then maybe. Yeah. Ideally, you could focus on leveling them up and they focus Mm -hmm. on leveling their people up. That seems like the ideal world. What's what are the downsides of that?
0: Uh, I guess that I don't know how as much and to be clear, like this is happening, like Michael meets with everybody. Robert meets with everybody. I I think that 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 level, that leveling up that doesn't involve me is happening, but it does kind of leave me with like so do I just not need to worry?
1: There's still like two people I manage directly. Should I just be focusing on them or sh- I, I don't know. One way to think about this, um, is imagine you were in, let's say Michael's role. Uh-huh. What are the things that you would do that would make, that would level up those employees, um, that Michael might not realize he should be doing. Um, in other words, there's probably a gap in terms of leadership mentality and, and I don't know, tactics that you might employ, uh, that Michael doesn't hasn't had the opportunity to employ. And mm-hmm. maybe that's where you focus on leveling. Maybe these two things are the same thing, I guess is what I'm saying, except yeah. you're teaching your, the leveling up that needs to happen is teaching, you know, Michael, how to level other people up.
0: Yeah. What's while you were talking, like what's going through my head is both Michael and Robert are really strong individual contributors too, and, they are doing a certain amount of this, but like, they're probably mostly just constrained by time where it's like, like Robert, for example, he's the main person right now building a new feature for us. And like prioritizing those two things is, so option A is just do the amount of leveling up we're doing and it's not zero. So like, just live with it. Option B is I spend my time reaching over Robert so that he can be an individual contributor with that extra time. Option C is take the hit of losing his individual contributor stuff and say, no, you need to be a full-time management here, basically.
1: And I don't know that this needs to be the same approach across all leaders. This might be specific to the leader. Although it seems like the person who, who's going to thrive in the leadership role, the people management role, I should say, not the Mm -hmm. leadership role, the people management role is probably going to be, enjoy the leveling up part um, more so than the individual contribution work. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but, I, I kind of I think of examples of people who are super talented on the individual contributor front. They can lead at the company. There's no doubt about that. But when it comes to managing people and being responsible for people, um, they they generally shy, they aren't as good at that. Right. Uh, yeah. Because it is a it is a big job to do that. And it's a, yeah, it's a totally
0: different. Being a good software engineer is a completely different skill set from being a good manager.
1: Yeah, maybe it's just maybe you need. I don't know that there's a right approach here. Maybe just try some things and talk to your team. Maybe that's a leadership meeting discussion.
0: Yeah, I also like. I am. I'm just thinking through this more. I I think we're doing. It's. I I don't want to give the impression we're just not working on employee development at all. I'm actually thinking through all the things we're doing, the meetings I've had, the the money we've spent, the kind of time we're giving people to explore other things. And I actually think maybe we're doing enough of this as it is, but it's just like very unstructured and haphazard, which. Maybe I just sat down and mapped it out. I'd be like, yeah, that's actually fine. Yeah. But, okay, cool. Well, I appreciate talking through that. You mentioned Um, the leadership
1: team meeting. I'm interested to hear about that.
0: Yeah, so maybe it was two months ago, three months ago, I kind of mentioned we're going to start this leadership team thing at Less Annoying CRM, and the quick version of why is like, Prior to this, the what I would call the stakeholders, which are like me and my brother, and then like the first two employees, the people with like the most financial stake in the company, we have we what called are called partners. We had the partner meeting. That's where our decisions got made. The problem is over time, as the company has grown, the roles of partners, like some some are in leadership positions and some aren't. For example, Robert, who leads the second biggest team at the company, is not a partner. And so he wasn't in these meetings, for example, which seems weird. Um so we've got this leadership team, which is basically the people. So one person representing customer service, one representing the developers, one representing growth, so like marketing, biz, dev, and so on. And then one representing uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Basically, not every decision will get made, but some big decisions, we'll, we'll talk about them and and try to like run the company together, basically. So we put this team together, but we just had it wasn't the right time to actually do anything with that. So now next week we have a real meeting where we're going to like talk about stuff and have our first get together. So that's a lot of context. (laughs) Uh, but basically what I did this week is I, I put together the agenda for the meeting and just did write-ups. I'm trying to be better about this. What I did in the past is I've gone to meetings and just like surprise everyone with topics. I'd be like, here's my list. I'd be, be like so, you know, here's topic A, and everyone would be completely unprepared for it. What I want to do this time is let them prepare. So I kind of wrote up this somewhat lengthy document. Like, here are all the things. Here's what's already been talked about. Here's some ideas, and then let everyone percolate for a week, and then hopefully everyone's ready to go and and really make like advance all those topics next week.
1: Cool. You've got secrecy on here. What does that mean?
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. I left notes for myself that probably don't make any sense yeah. to you. At the top of it, since this is our first one, I. I said, uh, here's what to expect from the leadership team meeting. And I said, there's two ways in which this will probably be different from normal, like less annoying serum, kind of how we do things. So yeah, one is secrecy. We are a very transparent company. And to be honest, that's mostly just, I hate secrets. I'm bad at keeping them. If I have a drink or two, I'm going to spill the beans. (laughs) I'm just like, I hate secrets. Uh, But... Some of the topics in the leadership team meetings will need to be secret from the other people at the company. For example, uh, maybe there's an employee who's kind of struggling for one reason or another. We need to be able to talk about that. And obviously it would be really disrespectful to that employee if other people at the company knew about that. Um, Another example of this is like, people hate change. People are like afraid of change. And if you poorly communicate that you're even thinking about something, it can make people really freak out. Like, I think a big part of leadership is like, when you introduce new ideas to people, you need to do it carefully. And so, we need to basically keep what we talk about in this meeting secret until we know how to communicate it to everybody.
1: Leaders are pre-processors of change.
0: Hmm. Is that a new concept from you, yeah. or is that that's like an established? I just
1: thought, I just thought of that. It's like that's exactly the they the, the need. We pre-process here once we figure out uh where and collect feedback on where we're going um get some input sometimes without people knowing what they're giving input on um we process that and we lead we help people through the change
0: yeah yeah i like that a lot um and i, I almost think there's like a bigger umbrella concept there which is so i want to talk about in a second the term calm company but like you could say like w- Maybe what we do is bootstrapping, but some some people in our ecosystem raise money, so it's not quite bootstrapping. And a term that you keep hearing more and more is like, we are calm companies. I kind of think the responsibility of the leader is to like shield everyone else from all the stressful bullshit so that they can stay calm. <laughs> but it's, it's not always calm. You can't run a business with 100% calm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, pre-processing change is part of that. But there's probably other ways in which it's like, I hope this leadership team can handle a little of that extra stress and extra pressure so that everyone else can go to sleep at night without any concerns. Yep. Which brings me to the second thing. So the, f- the first thing that I said to them was secrecy is is going to be important here. And the second thing is like, we need to make really fast decisions, which I'm used to. That's how the partner meeting has always worked. But like for the people who are not partners and who are new to this type of thing, I think it could be a kind of intimidating thing. The first time you go through it was like this is going to affect a lot of people, and we just talked about it for 15 minutes and made a decision. But it's like, yep, that's
1: that's how you have to do it. <laughs> yep, and you know, if we get it wrong, we will iterate. Yes,
0: yeah, that's am- you often hear. There's like a uh, sorry. Quick side note: um, Are you familiar with the term Apple Pie uh, ideas? Mm-mm. This is from. Uh, Shreyas, I'm forgetting his last name, Uh, he's a product manager at Stripe and he had a tweet thread about this. Uh, But he said an apple pie idea is like something that it's said in a meeting and it sounds so obviously true that no one bothers to challenge it, even though in many cases it's not true. Um, One of those is you often hear people say like moving fast in the wrong direction is worse than moving slow in the right direction. I don't know. Not always. Like moving slow in the right direction is the same as standing still. Moving fast in the wrong direction, you learn and as, uh, there are some things that you can't be corrected. You burn bridges or whatever. But if, as long as it's correctable and changeable, moving fast in any direction is almost always better than moving slow, I think. I think, yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a balance, of course. Like, this same, ex, this same logic is used for, like, why Facebook broke democracy, you know? So <laughs> it can be taken too far. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I'm excited for uh, the leadership team next, next uh, the, the meeting next week, and we'll see how it goes. I'll be interested to see how that goes. I I love, love to hear about it. Yeah, I will, uh, I will share what I can, but some things are secret.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. You got to set an example. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, uh, what I, this week after, so my dad was in town last week, which was really awesome. It's it's really cool to see kind of the circle (laughs) kind of circle-ish of life. Like you see grandfather with, with your, with your kid and your dad with, with his grandson, Mm -hmm. my kid. It was just really awesome. Um, and so I I didn't work at all. I thought I'd maybe work in the mornings or something. No, I was like totally focused on it. It was awesome. That's great. And it's the first time uh, my uh, either any of my parents have made it out here since quarantine. So Cool. Did he
0: what what was his reaction to like I don't have any kids, but did he have this like, "Oh my god,
1: my life has changed forever moment" or just like, "Oh, there's a little thing?" <laughs> I I don't I don't know exactly, but it, I would my, my my observation is that I think becoming a grandfather causes you to reflect mm-hmm. on a lot of things, sort of like becoming a father does, and it's just a different type of that. So I think it's a really emotion, like it's an emotional thing, um, and it was his first, so it's cool. I think it's a, it's kind of a big deal for him uh, in a very positive way. So yeah, um, and I, but like what I realized was so Sable's parents um, have many grandkids, and so Oliver is not the, probably. I don't know how many they've ha- they have a f- five, he's the fifth grandkid. So he, you know, the names are established, grandma, grandpa. Mm. Because uh, Oliver's the first grandkid on the other side, we're establishing the grandparent names and that's a huge responsibility <laughs> when you have a lot of siblings.
0: Yeah, what are you going with?
1: We went, <laughs> <this is good. laughs> uh, we're going with Poppy for for grandfather and Boss for grandma.
0: Boss? I've never heard that one before.
1: <laughs> it started out as a joke and it stuck. So uh, it's going to be funny when Oliver says I want to go see Boss
0: that is so funny yeah. like B-O-S-S like as in like she's the boss What's of up, the boss? family <laughs> so funny yeah that's awesome yeah it, uh, this is something I, you never think about and then the, the people I know who have had kids it's like yeah there's this like
1: agonizing decision of what what are you going to call the grandparents so, so I put all the pressure I said I admit Sable didn't care I didn't care so I went to my siblings and said you guys tell tell me what you want and that's mm-hmm. where we landed
0: I think for my brother's kids they like picked names but then they the kids tried to say them or I guess the oldest kid tried to say the name and did it wrong and then that stuck so yep. the name's like Grandy uh and I actually forget what they call my mom but like Grandy for example they did not pick a Grandy that's just how a kid says whatever it was supposed
1: to be <laughs> that's awesome yeah G- Grandy was my grandfather so Oh really That's a that's a meaningful Name for me. But uh I yeah, I um it was awesome and fun. And you know, it's hopefully my you know, but yeah, at the end of the day, whatever the kid wants to call them, they don't care. Like right and and it'll stick. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cool. but so this week I'm getting going on my scripting, and one of my first projects was taking the uh the Sendgrid script for the monthly update emails for up Health users uh with their policy updates. And right now it's a PHP script that I run on my a local server um, once a month. My first practice, sort of practice project or implementation project was going into the Airtable base and taking advantage of a new feature they had uh, to f- uh, basically run that same build, rebuild that same script in JavaScript within the Airtable scripting service. And I spent all day today on it, and I can I got everything built and the code's good, but the, the, I'm running into the same issue of like just no response on the fetch request. So, hmm. uh, um, I'm you know, Airtable has multiple different ways to build script, you know, to build uh, code into your base. So the first version is what are called automations, and this is these be called blocks. Um, but basically, you install pre configured script uh, written by, say, SynGrid for Airtable, which has limited functionality, and it, it works for one off things, but it wasn't great for my use case. The next version is installing a, an automation that is. A, like custom scripting. And that's what I was trying to use. Um, and that's where I'm sort of, I'm ready to move on from, uh, cause it's just not working. Um, and then the third option is actually building a custom app on top of Airtable, And that's what I'm looking into now. And it looks like I could u- use node.js to build basically the same thing within an app and have it accessible via the Airtable piece. So that's going to be, if I can't get this working by the end of the day, I'm going to move into that tomorrow.
0: Yeah, because if it you say it's not giving you a response, I mean, what tools do you have to figure out why? Because that seems like a pretty important thing to figure out. Yep. So, uh, but,
1: but do you remember when we were doing the pair programming, it was the same thing? Yeah. It was just, it wouldn't, we wouldn't even get a, an error message back. It was just into dead space.
0: Well, so what was happening is it was giving a cores, a C-O-R-S error, but it, that doesn't like show up in the same way
1: that like a normal server error shows up. So, probably that's what's happening here. How would you find that error? because because we never could find it. We just discovered we just assumed that what it was what it was and confirmed it via search. Um, and it looks like that same error is happening with the new fetch re- remote yeah. fetch request. Um, but i can't I'm not getting I can't confirm that. So I
0: know how to do it like from uh, if you're running the JavaScript in your browser, it would you go into the Chrome dev tools and you go to the networking tab, the network tab, and each request that gets fired off is going to show up there. And it will never come back. But if you look at it, you'll, I, I think you'll see a course error there. But I thought the thing that Airtable had changed is that they let you run the JavaScript on their server. Are you confident that's
1: happening and it's not running on your computer? That's, I'm using the function that they... So mm. they, they basically repli- they have a fetch request, which works when a course policy is, is not an issue. But they create this new fetch request, like remote fetch, Async, mm-hmm. I think is what it's called. Um, but it's basically the same request, but uh, it runs on their servers. Um, okay. and that's the function that I'm using, but Yeah, know, that's getting, tough, because
0: that yeah. wouldn't that whatever error or any, whatever's happening there is happening on their server, so you don't have access to that, but Certainly sounds like another core, like you can have a cores error, even if it's running on their server. So I wonder if there's like another parameter you need to pass in or something. Oh, that's
1: interesting. Maybe I'm missing a parameter. but gosh, it's so frustrating not to get an error back. That's telling me what's going on. So yeah. Oh, well, but it's going into the ether and uh, (laughs) disappearing. Gotcha. Well, good, good practice. If nothing else. Yep. And, but I have a, I I think one cool thing that I did learn was my PHP script sends one email at a time and it takes a while, you know, with a hundred and some emails it sort of just starts loading. Mm -hmm. I realized that you can send one via one API request Mm -hmm. up to a thousand emails per API request. So I'm going to update my PHP script to run a lot faster as a result of realizing that. Cool.
0: Make sure you batch them if you do that because like you're going to get to the point where you need to send a thousand and you're going to be like, why did the thousand and first person not get an email? Do
1: you have any suggestions on I was thinking about how to do that? Is it just sort of how do you do you do you, just, yeah. do you do you build like a a new array of sends for every thousand that you need to send? Is that how you would go about it? Yeah,
0: your options are either like build the array that you're going to send and keep a counter and be like if the counter hits this number, send it and clear out the array and then just keep looping through. Or what I would do is you do the initial thing that builds this really big array, like a thousand, like ten thousand the emails you're going to send, and then at the bottom of the file. You say, okay, now we're going to loop through that, and every thousand we're going to send. That's
1: okay. That's how I would do it. Perfect. Cool. Th- I, sometimes when you when you come up with solutions, coding, you think that the way you've done it is really dumb, <laughs> and you think that there. You always wonder if there's a better way to do it, but I guess it really doesn't matter as long as it works.
0: Yeah. And like, probably I'm guessing we have some people who are better programmers than me listening to this who are like, no, build like a framework that does this automatically. Like, yeah, there's an even better way than what I just said, but like, I feel like that would be just fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, Airtable is powerful, but let me down on this one. I'm hoping that I can figure it out or that the app, uh, more, more technical app functionality solves my problem. Do they have support for this type of thing? Could you be like, Hey, I'm sending this request,
0: nothing's coming back, and since it's on your server, I can't get anything. I yeah, and I'm going to I'm
1: gonna reach out to them. Uh, that's what I'm going to do this afternoon, for sure. Cool.
0: Um, all right. A couple more updates from me. Yeah, just kind of odds and ends. So I, I'm write, trying to write a blog post each week. Uh, the one I'm doing this week, I took a different approach for. Normally what I do is I write a blog post, and then if I think it's worth sharing on Twitter, I will then write tweets to, like, one or maybe a tweet storm to, like, link to it. Uh, What I did this week is I just, I wrote the tweet storm first. Um, There's this app I use. Have you heard of, oh, what's it called?
1: Typefully, typefully typefully.app. Yep. Um, Have you used it? I haven't used it, but I saw someone talking about it. It looks like it, the way I understand it is, make sure we're talking about the same thing, is you you draft like a on the left pane, like you were coding. You you basically draft your your story, um, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. And then it converts it to Twitter threads on the right side. And you get to preview what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So basically if you put two new
0: lines in a row, it's a new tweet, but the whole thing is in one text area. So the, the problem with writing tweet storms normally is each tweet is like a different block of text. So if you want to like move this sentence from one to the one above above it, it's like really tedious. With this, yeah, you're typing into one big text area and just two new lines in a row means new, new tweet. So I was like, well, an interesting thing about writing tweet storms is you have to, it's a different writing style. You have to like keep everything short because it's 280 characters per tweet. And it really forces you to cut down on all the bullshit. And I I tend to write, you write really short articles. I tend to write really long ones, which like sometimes it's like, yeah, it's a big narrative thing and it's good for it to be long. But I think a lot of the time it's like, probably I should do more editing than I do. Um, So this kind of forced it upon me. So I I wrote the tweet storm. I I posted earlier today. And then I think I'm going to take that and convert it into a blog post and see if I like the writing style better.
1: Oh, I can't wait to see how that hear how that goes. I, and one other cool thing about doing the tweet storm is you'll get more you'll get quick feedback on whether mm-hmm. the the content resonates, and maybe even some replies that can make your content better by the time you publish. So yeah, there's a there's a huge benefit to getting some audience input uh, before you before you publish. That's a great
0: point. Like, th- and this has already happened. So like. Some one person went through and like liked every single tweet, basically. And it's like, you don't that's awesome. I'm glad they liked it, but you don't learn a lot from that. But some people went in and like liked three of the tweets and it's like, okay, those are the points that resonated. And then there was one person, I said like, this was about remote employee compensation. And I said kind of flippantly in there like I don't think minimum wage is a good solution to this. And then he went in and was like, well, yeah, but it's the best solution we've got, which I totally agree with. I didn't mean to like say, I think we shouldn't raise minimum wage. So now I know when I go write the blog post, like I was not clear about that point. So it's, yes, exactly yeah, right.
1: It, it, identifying holes in your argument, it's one of the best, the internet is one of the best places to do that. Like the quickest way to learn something is not to say ask a question, but to say something wrong. <laughs> yeah, I
0: love that. There's like, that's someone's law, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, that's beautiful.
0: <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, And then I've got one more topic that, um, honestly, I might save for another week. Let's let's switch the order here. Did you see that uh, Ernest Capital rebranded? I have not
1: seen Ernest Capital's rebrand.
0: And so I mentioned earlier in this episode this term, Calm Companies. They are now called the Calm Company Fund. Wow. Calmfund.com. Yeah. So for people who don't know, Ernest Capital is a... I guess, sort of a venture capital firm, but not quite. But they they fund companies like ours, like companies that the idea is you're not going to then get on the VC treadmill. You're just going to raise this one amount of money, probably not go huge, not necessarily exit, but it's it's just like aligned with otherwise bootstrapped founders a lot better. So
1: yeah, new new brand. And the way they define it is um, uh, companies that do not risk survival for growth. Mm. That's interesting. That's cool. Yeah.
0: It uh I always kind of roll my eyes at rebrands. I don't know if you do.
1: Yeah, I mean it depends. I'm, actually, I'm I'm not going to say I'm rolling my eye at this one. I'm, I've yeah. got something else to yeah. say, but like generally, I, I mean, I like I like rebrands, um especially when they're I mean, there's some brands that are really bad <laughs> and need to be yeah. rebranded. I, di- I don't know that Ernest Capital had that problem.
0: I think there were like other like other reasons they kind of needed to rebrand, um, but yeah, I don't. I agree they didn't have a bad brand. Well, that that's part of it. Like first of all, I'm kind of like surprised by how much the Earnest brand is a part of me. Like you know, I'm I invest in them and I'm in their Slack group and stuff. And like it it'll be no problem at all switching to Calm Company. But like it really does. Whatever you call yourself, you could call yourself some made up word. Like back in the day, you and I were going to start a company called Annulli.com. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, Annulli. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, which doesn't mean anything, but like if you are out there and people are using your product for long enough, it starts to mean something. Uh, that's interesting. Um, normally, when companies rebrand, like the ones that stand out to me is like Slack's recent rebrand. Not, It's not that recent anymore. Um, I'm trying to think what other ones did this. Uh, Discord just did this and they write like these really long blog posts where they're like, we changed from purplish blue to bluish purple as our color. And like the, the icon is a little simpler, which suggests that we care about simplicity and we're not just for gamers anymore. Like discord said that it's like, shut the fuck up. Like nobody, if you have to explain it, it's not, it it doesn't matter because your customers are not going to read your PR release about this. But I do think like, I love Calm Company Fund, or I don't know. There's, I'm sure, criticisms of it, but it's very literal in the way Less Annoying CRM is literal. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Like, they don't have to explain. Earnest Capital is fine, but Calm Company Fund says what they are. And, like, it
1: doesn't have to be explained, which I like. Yeah. It adds a lot more meaning to their name for sure. Um, And it's, you know, it leads into a story too. So, I don't know. When people, when you were saying rebrand, it's funny. I always think to the name first, but that's not what. A brand is, and only is. It's all these other things too. But I, I think you and I are aligned in that. The most important branding decisions are what you call yourself and how you, you know, how you explain what it is you do. And uh-huh. at the end of the day, like Ernest is using that, leaning on that word calm, and you've you've seen that come through in a lot of their communications recently. So it's not really a surprise. It feels like a iteration more so than a complete like one eighty. Yeah,
0: I wonder if it'll even. We've had this with less annoying CRM, where like having that in your name, you kind of can't do certain things that are clearly annoying. Um, And I wonder if being called Calm Company Fund will, you know, either implicitly or explicitly require them to like stay true to a certain type of investment thesis and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and I. I, I, What do you? I mean what's your definition of calm here like are you a calm company i think you're a calm company i i
0: think yeah i I mean relative to like a normal not that we're a startup we're 12 years old but like relative to a normal
1: company our size in the tech space i think we're very calm cool i'm gonna there's a press release on calmfund.com if you go to earnestcapital.com or whatever their old website was you'll find it um introducing calm company fund i'm gonna have to read this yeah cool um anything else
0: I've got one other topic, but I am I'm, I'm going to keep put. I, I honestly like every week I think about it a little more and I'm, I'm like, if we talk about it this week, then I, I feel like we'll get
1: more out of it next week. So I'm going to keep kicking the can down the road. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, I appreciate your time today. Um, if you want to see show notes, you can go to startflash.com.
0: All right. Talk to you later.
1: See ya.